Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, coming to you from Chateau LaPanta. And, uh, or what would we call this in Italian? Yeah, uh, villa I can't remember. Yeah, it could be the villa. Yeah, Villa LaPanta's villa. I'm just happy to be back. Yeah, the, I know. You've been on couple, assignment for well, like a month. Well, and part of it was we picked shows when I was on assignment. But yeah, it's been a busy, it's been a couple of weeks of really busy schedules. I was just thinking about it today that from last Sunday to this Saturday, so a week, I have, will have done three wild preseason broadcasts, three twins pre- and post-game shows, a wild season preview show, and a Matt Boldy feature show that we did, plus coached football each one of those days in and around there. One of the road games was a road game where we had to travel to Milwaukee. It's been a busy yeah. last week or so. And I can't imagine, even though the Twins won one, 10 to 1 today, I can't imagine it's the easiest time to be doing those games. Just when you know, you know the way it is when you you kind of down the stretch, the games don't mean much, but yet you still got to put on the show. Well, you have to put on the show, but the tough part about it isn't necessarily that the shows are lifeless it's coming up with ideas Mm -hmm. for topics because we do want to have a show that's compelling the pennant race is over so there is nothing more to talk about with that and that becomes a challenge which takes time so each night you get done with the post game show and then it's sit down at your computer and start trying to come up with ideas for what tomorrow night could we talk about and I, I thought we actually had some interesting discussions this week, some of it about what was happening elsewhere in the league and some of it about some specifics with the Twins and some things we expect to see in the offseason. But that all takes work, and mm-hmm. it takes it takes time to sit down and think about it and research it, and especially when you get outside of your own team. You know what it's like when you're covering a hockey team. If the games are meaningful, the stories write themselves. Mm-hmm. What's important tonight? What happened tonight? Where do you stand? What do the other teams do? Where are you headed? Who's hot? Who's not? All that kind of stuff. But none of that matters when the team's out of the race. Yeah. So then it's trying to come up with ways to talk about it, things to talk about that are interesting but don't really have much to do with what's going to happen in tonight's game. Yeah, I've been lucky covering the Wild. This is what my 18th season covering them. And you can say what you want about first-round exits and all that. Every single year, they are interesting. And right up until the end, last year, they obviously made the playoffs well in advance of of clinching. But even those games where they were clinching on game 80, every game is meaningful. um, I've had one season in all of my years of doing play-by-play that they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, so same thing. Like, so I I started here in twenty-five-six, and they didn't make the playoff that year, but they did in seven and eight, and they did in. Did they make it in? No, they didn't. They didn't make it again until thirteen. Right. So then they missed some playoffs there, obviously, and then then, because thirteen was my first year doing play-by-play, and they've made it every year but one since then. Yep, and that was uh, the the Paul Fenton year. So I mean, it's been you know from that standpoint. It's not like when lucky. I was covering Florida and, and they just weren't making the playoffs and things like that. Um, next live show is going to be a really fun one. It's October 12th at Split Rocks in Wyoming. Hope to see everybody out there. Anthony and I will be joined by Joe Smith, uh, my new colleague who actually gets to town this weekend uh, for the first time. He's been not only uprooting his life to here to Minnesota, but this guy has been covering the Lightning uh, during training camp as well. Um, so really excited for Joe to begin the drive up here. He's actually going to be staying with me with a week for a week with his dog, Sam. Sammy until he can move into his uh, new apartment in Minneapolis and his wife joins him uh, later this month. So please give uh, Joe Smith a warm welcome and hope uh, everybody comes out to Split Rocks in Wyoming, a really fun place, another Tuttle's operation. Um, and uh, again, it's not, it, it, you, you might think of Wyoming like it's in Wyoming. Wyoming is actually a very easy drive. It's a fun place uh, to watch a show. So please come on out October 12th to Split Rocks, day before the home opener. So we're going to have a lot to talk about as well, Anthony should be exciting. This camp, there's been elements of it that it feels like it's going on forever. Yeah. But then there are other parts of it where it's right now. Yeah. Games are starting. And I actually was sitting in the studio today watching the final Twins game and had my computer out and was starting to build my game night files for this season. And it it feels real now because 
we're basically a week away yeah. from opening night. Yeah, you know, you're, you're starting to say like, oh boy, Igor Shchurkin's coming to town here. Like, <laughs> like it's going to get very real here in a bit. Our next live show after that is October 18th at Elsie's in Northeast Minneapolis, another great place to watch a, a venue. So again, October 12th at Split Rocks. Again, that's the day before the season opener. So there's going to be so much to talk about. Hopefully, you guys pack uh, the place, and then October 18th at Elsie's. Let's talk about training camp, Anthony. Uh, without further ado, I mean, teams four and one in the preseason. Um, they're beating. Teams teams uh obviously they brought a uh you know probably a fringe lineup to st louis the blues pretty much played their team wild lost 4-2 um played hard in that game from what i understand i wasn't able to watch it um but uh but the games that they did win i mean they were really impressive and playing nhl that team that they played in dallas was really mostly the stars the team that played in chicago was a lot of the blackhawks including kane and and uh you know max domi and seth jones and players like that so uh, you know, the, right now there's been a lot of bright spots in training camp. There have been, and I did watch the game in St. Louis the other night, and they did play hard. And it was clearly a, a lineup that was overmatched, had maybe two of the six defensemen that will probably be in the opening night lineup, uh, backup goaltender and not much up front, but yet they, they hung with the Blues for most of that night. How did Gustafson play? Everybody was, you know, uh, I mean, everybody on Twitter, just because he gave up four goals, were kind of ripping on him, but none of us saw the game. Most no, of us. I thought he you. played well. It, it certainly weren't goals you looked and said, well, he should have had that one. Yeah. And I don't know that he necessarily made any huge saves, but I thought he was fine. I actually talked to Freddie Shabbat about him today a little bit and just said, what are your early thoughts of him? And he said, I really like him. He's incredibly athletic. He has some... He has, he's very skilled. We have some things we're going to work on to try to help refine him. But mm -hmm. you forget how young he is. He only played 27 yeah. games in the NHL. Yeah. And now we're going to be looking at him likely for more than that this season alone. So it, it'll be interesting to see. But I thought he was okay. And I thought the, the guys that have had to impress in this year's camp, I think they've looked good in each and every game. And the, the three yeah. that really come to mind are Rossi, Jost, and Steele. I think those guys have looked good just about every night. Nick Patan's been good too, yep. but those three have separated themselves. Yep. And those were the three that had something to prove, some upward mobility available to them in camp. And I think they were all good each time they've yep. been on the ice and that night included. And Marco Rossi is going to get one heck of a test uh, tomorrow, one heck of a luxury uh, tomorrow. Actually, today when this podcast comes out, when the Wild play, who the heck do they play? Chicago. They play Chicago. Um, Marco Rossi, I'm hearing from um, a really good source inside that locker room that Marco Rossi is going to center Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello against the Chicago Blackhawks. So he's going to get a, um, a real fun look uh, tomorrow to see if he could play elevated into the lineup because they're going to need him at times to move up and potentially eventually he's going to be with even Boldy and Goudreau or Boldy and Jost or Boldy and whoever. Yeah, I think that's where he's likely to end up before mm -hmm. this season's over. I don't. It, it certainly looks like he's going to start on the fourth line between Dewar and Duhame, and but with that, Dean's been very clear that he's still going to be on the power play, even though he's a fourth line guy. He's going to get more Kill minutes. Penalties. He will be playing more than your normal fourth line guy, uh, yeah. and I, and I think. The luxury they have with these guys, with adding Steele, with adding Patan, and with Jost coming back, is that you've got a few guys who I think are capable of, not just for a night, but maybe a week or two mm -hmm. weeks, move up in the lineup. And I think it's just a matter of time before of course. Rossi's playing with yeah. Boldy every single night. I don't know who the other guy will be, but I think those two guys will be together. I would say for sure, I, I'd be shocked if they weren't together by Thanksgiving mm -hmm. and playing most nights yeah. together. Like, and, and, you know, that's what I think that fans need to relax here. I mean, the number of questions I'm getting on this and going crazy, I mean, you know, is we haven't ended training camp yet. It's game one of a long career for this kid. He's 21 years old. Miko Koivu is the all-time leading scorer in wild history, and he was three years older when he made his NHL debut, and he was on the fourth line every minute of his first year 
with Kyle with Kyle either Kyle Wanvig and Jared Pugard or other fourth liners, but he never moved up in the lineup, never really got special teams. Was playing like you know five minutes a night. He went fifty games without a goal at one point. He scored like right at Christmas, and then I think the last game of the season. Um, you know, this is a kid that is not just going to be playing eight minutes a night on the fourth line, but he's getting power play and penalty kill, which is what makes this tolerable and understandable. And the other thing here is that, like again, the original the original um, thought process from Dean Evison was to split Sam Steele and Marco Rossi back and forth and give them each looks on the third and fourth lines. But he feels in practice that Steele has done so well, but even more importantly that Marco has meshed so well with Duham and Durer that he's just like, why change it right now? But that is right now. Who knows? They're down three, nothing in game one of the season. We're going to see differences. I mean, that's just the way that what life works. Well, not only that, but I also think, don't overlook what Dewar and Duhame can bring. Yes. Those guys, have, they've got a little skill. They've got some grit. And Duhame with a full season in the NHL under his belt, I think we're going to see a guy that's going to produce more and contribute more. He won't be just a guy who piles up 125 penalty minutes. I think this is going to be a guy that we see a little bit more assertive and and it, perhaps you throw a playmaking center between them, and all of a sudden those guys might they might surprise you with how they're able to score. I think it's I think it's fine. I think it's a good way to start, a good way to ease him in. And if he all of a sudden goes out and is scoring a couple points a night, Dean Evison's not going to wait too long before mm-hmm. he says, "Hey." This guy belongs. Let's throw him on a line with Matt Bold. And then, look, and there's there's injuries that are going to happen. That's going to get the guy elevated in the lineup. Like I just think I am. I just don't understand why shrewd, smart hockey fans in the state overreact to the little things, and and they always act like they are the smart, like they they're just smarter than everybody in that coaching staff. And um, you know, I, I got just, news for you, they're not. Yeah, and it's just, um, man, it is just so aggravating today uh, with some of the questions, um, especially some of the, even the the hot take writers and things like that. It's like, let's all relax, man. He's just turned 21 a couple days ago. Uh, it's, it's like, you know, and they're acting like that this is the biggest injustice and he's going to, like, ask to be traded and all this stuff. It's like, trust me. Um, he looks at Dewar and Duham as two NHL players that he can mesh with. And uh, in time, he's going to get his chances to. Pre- have you talked much with Rossi during this year's? Camp? I have. Uh, you know, he's he, he's a level-headed kid yes. too, and knows that number one. Well, he thinks he's got a long career ahead of him, mm-hmm. and I think we can use the term "knows." He knows it's going to be a while that he's going to be in the NHL. I don't think he feels now. Things might be different if all of a sudden you're in mid-January and he's still playing on the fourth yeah. line, and let's say he's playing eight or nine minutes a night, that might be different. I don't think that's going to be the case if he is playing well. I think he looks at this as a nothing's being handed to me. I've got to come into this with a an approach that I'm going to go out and prove it each and every night. That's what he's done throughout his career. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing him in yeah. real game action, yeah. and I don't think it'll take long for and, him and to And the other thing up. here is that, like, it's not like they just brought in Sam Steele and he's just some schlub. I mean, obviously his NHL career to this point hasn't been what we all thought it was going to be when he came out of the out of Regina and was just absolutely unbelievable um, as as a junior kid and a first round pick by the Ducks. But this is a this isn't like a thirty year old coming in and blocking Rossi. This is also a skilled player that scored a thousand points in the in juniors. Was a great player for Hockey Canada, and he comes here. He's only twenty four. And so let's see what he could do as well. And so let's all like just chillax for for a little bit. And I think everybody that listens to this podcast knows what I think of Marco Rossi. I mean, you know, I, I the guy ushered me around his hometown. If, you know, if there's anybody that wants this guy to succeed and to get major ice time and to produce, it's me. But I think that we all need to just take a deep breath here and not act like this is the world's biggest injustice. I mean, if Marco Rossi doesn't feel entitled, then I don't think everybody here should just think that he should be entitled. How about not looking any further than what happened to Matt Boldy last year? Yeah, Boldy had a great camp. I thought he had a chance to make the team out of camp. It was going to be close. He gets injured at the end in the final preseason game. And when he came back, went down to Iowa, put in his time down there. It's no different than putting Marco Rossi on the fourth line this year. He went down there, dominated for 
12 games, 14 games, whatever it was. Got hurt again. Got hurt again, got delayed. But when he came back, then he was ready. He commanded the ice time and contributed. I think we could see Rossi do the same thing with the only difference being he's doing it from the fourth line in the NHL instead of from Iowa. Exactly. Um, All right, let's go uh, to some Twitter questions. We've got some good ones. Bruce Siski, uh, your compatriot that only just, you know, he calls championships. Um, He he goes, I've been dying to ask ask this since I heard Russo with Ben Hankinson. Um, I brought up this uh, thing that, like, what if Ryan McDonough wound up in Columbus? They don't get Sean, uh, they don't get, uh, you know, um, Johnny Goudreau. He goes, what would be your biggest what if you, you could think of with the Wild? And the one that popped into my head, Anthony, was what if Steve Eiserman took the job in 2009 and not Chuck Fletcher? And if if everybody remembers back then, in 2009, Craig Leopold um, actually offered the GM's job to Steve Eiserman. But that year in 2910, Steve Eiserman was managing Team Canada in the, in the Olympics and didn't feel like his first rookie GM job would be fair to either Team Canada or Minnesota to take that Minnesota job and he turned it down and that's when Chuck Fletcher was hired. So I wonder if what happens and then the next year he goes to Tampa Bay and I just wonder what changes here. Do, do they maybe not sign Parisi or Suter? Do they have Kucherov? Do they have Johnny Cooper as the coach? Like, you know, that would be the biggest thing. Like, you know, one major change there changes the complexion of the history of this organization. That's a huge one. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where to start with what would be different here. Yeah. How would you even guess? I don't know, but I, I will tell you that I threw this story idea a couple of weeks ago. Joe Smith, I'm like, you should tackle this, and he's like, I will. He like he loved the idea. Obviously, it's gonna be a total fiction story, but it'd be right. kind of cool to think of what what would be different, right? Yeah, that's a big one. I guess the other one that I like would my big thing is does Steve Eiserman convince Craig Leopold? No. We're not signing Parisian Suter to two ninety-eight million dollar deals. I mean, you know, that was one where remember Chuck. The actual story is Chuck wanted Zach and not Ryan. It, it, like I always thought it was they wanted Ryan and not Zach, but it was the, it was then Sagasora that came together with with uh, Craig Leopold and convinced it to do, be a tag team. And um, I don't think Chuck was ever totally in favor of doing both. Um, and you do but have knew to wonder. He had to do yeah. both to get either one, right? And. You just never know. Maybe Eiserman would have had enough pull to get yeah. one of them to come. I don't know. That's a tough one to top, really, because that one probably changes the face of this organization more yeah. than any. I don't know what the next. I don't Maybe know what else Braden would point. be. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of things yeah. like that. I mean, yeah. the with with different moves that he would have made, it's hard to even guess because it's not. There were so many, and yeah. it was such a long tenure for Chuck. I guess the one I would wonder is what what happens if there is never the Paul Fenton year? Right. If they go right from Fletcher to Guerin, mm-hmm. or if they go – that one to me is probably a little easier to peg yeah. because some of the moves yeah. that, that Fenton made in one season – would Garen have made the same moves? Right. I don't know if... And some of the fe- moves that he made were good moves. You know, Ryan Couple Hartman, Nico Sturm, you know, I mean, in hindsight, Fiala. Um, Couple of them, but mo- he lost every trade. Yeah. And even the Fiala trade, I refuse to acknowledge that that... Because at the time, he should have gotten more than right. a one-for-one deal. It turned out that Fiala was a good player, yeah. but so was Granlund in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Nashville raved about him yeah. and the role he's, he's still there. there and he's still there and still thriving yep. and, and Fial loved. is gone from Minnesota. Would Charlie Coyle still be a member of the wild? If Bill Guerin had been here Probably. instead of Fenton, I think he absolutely he loves would. Coyle, loves Coyle. And that's his style yeah. of player, yeah. his type of player. Yeah. I think so. There's some things like that that yeah. are interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, another one that's interesting is like, sometimes things work out that you fall into. If people remember, they signed Zuccarello to the five-year deal. But remember, what did they try to do first? They tried to get Paul F- Phil Kessel to waive his no trade for Jason Zucker. That would have been a disaster. Um, they tried to. They wanted to sign Anders Lee and Brock Nelson. Both went back to the Islanders, and then last second, they had to. They out of desperation, they not only signed Zuccarello to the five-year deal, but they gave him the no move, which keeps him here in expansion. But look, the reality is. He's turned into a one heck of a mentor and player next to Caprice. And I actually liked the Zuccarello signing when they made it. I was a big fan of Zuccarello. The one that I think is they got lucky it didn't happen was the Zucker to Calgary trade. Yeah. That one was a disaster. Yeah. And 
the when you look at what they later were able to get for Zucker, that's a huge that's a that was a huge break. Yeah. Uh Keith Landry asked Stumpa's contract situation has received a ton of attention, but what will Billy do uh when Zuccarella, Felino, and Hartman are hitting UFA in two years? Like can't even get past one year and we're gonna go two years. Um it's pretty interesting. I mean Hartman's inter- Hartman's interesting because he's extremely valuable. I bet you Zuccarello would take a haircut on a thirty five year deal to stay here. Um, you know, Felino might be the most actually expendable of the of them all. Maybe, but that when you look around the league, I still argue that that line is what makes Minnesota mm-hmm. a legit contender. And if two years from now they are really poised to be looked at as one of the teams to beat in the mm-hmm. Western Conference, I think this year's team's a playoff team. I'd be I'd be surprised if they didn't look like a playoff team next year. But I really feel like a couple of years down the road is where mm-hmm. they are not just looked at as a team that could get in and maybe upset somebody, but they are looked at going into the season as if you want to win the West, here are the three teams you got to beat, and Minnesota's one of those three. And I think in order to be there, you have to have Felino at Greenway playing mm-hmm. together. That line is what makes Minnesota a handful for these teams to play against. It was interesting. We talked, I think we've had a podcast since I came back from that, the broadcasting meeting in New York. And when you talk to the other broadcasters and they talk about the wild, that's the first thing that comes out of their mouths is what that line does to create matchup headaches for all the teams they play. And granted, the broadcasters are not necessarily as knowledgeable as the GMs in any way, shape, or form. But those guys, they are aware of when they're watching the games, what's going on. And they're also talking to their coaches. So you know that's what they're hearing from their coaches that, well, this line's the handful to play. I think that's makes Felino more valuable there. Hartman is an interesting one. Who knows what's going to happen with him these next two years? Yeah. He's, I think he's turned into an incredibly valuable part of this yeah. club. And even if he's not playing next to Kaprizov yeah. and Zuccarello, and when you talk to Kaprizov and Zuccarello, they're pretty quick to point out that Hartsey brings a lot to our line too. And it drives me crazy. The people that just think that Hartman is riding the coattails. Like you have to be like completely know nothing about hockey to look at Ryan Hartman and not think that's a great hockey player. And, um, and I just, but, but you're right. I mean, in, in two years when his contract's up, I mean, you're probably gonna have Rossi, hopefully who's on on his way here. But the thing that makes Hartman valuable is you know, he could play center wing. You could put him on any line. You could actually put him on that Erickson Eck Felino line or have him replace Felino on the right wing if if you know if you can't afford him. The big thing with with Hartman is what's what's he gonna cost? Like if he has another big year, this guy took an unbelievable haircut to play here in hindsight. And you know, you're probably gonna have to now make up for that. Um, you know, you obviously may, but number one, there'll be some cash mm-hmm. that year. Number two, I don't really think he took a haircut at that at that point. That's yeah, that what point. he was. That's yeah. what he was able to command. Yeah. Now it looks like a tremendous deal yeah. for the Wild, but in a couple of years, they've got some extra cash. No doubt about it. Um, let's. Uh, we had a bunch of cool Twitter questions, and I, I figured we'd really hit on some of the questions today, just because the last two podcasts with uh, guests. We really didn't talk a lot about the wild, um, but I did want to tell you about um, Aquarius Home Services, and I'm just proud to share that my friends at Aquarius Home Services have received the Minnesota Best Gold Award by the Minneapolis Star Tribune, my old stomping grounds. You voted them the top home services company in heating and cooling, plumbing, electrical, and water treatment systems. I've worked with Aquarius and know firsthand how they always put their customers first and work hard every day to earn the right to be recommended. That's why I recommend them every single week on this show. They treat you, your home, and time with respect. Congratulations to the entire team at Aquarius Home Services. And if you have any questions or concerns about your water, heating, cooling, plumbing, or electrical, they're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention that Russo sent you. And here's a word from Royal Credit Union. Take the checking account challenge from Royal Credit Union. Compare your checking account to Royal and see why it makes sense to switch. Royal's checking accounts have no hidden fees and lots of free features that make it easy to stay on top of your money. You can deposit checks with the Royal's mobile app, receive real-time notifications when transactions happen, and even freeze your debit card in seconds. 
See what other features you're missing out on and make the switch to a Royal checking account at rcu.org slash Royal Challenge, insured by NCUA. When you're hosting a good dinner, you got to start with the best ingredients. And for that, I always go to Kowalski's. We just had a tremendous send-off dinner for Gianni and Zach, who are making the move to the East Coast, to Connecticut, the New York area for a new step in their life. So we decided let's have a send-off dinner, went to the store and came back with their new, we've talked about them a couple times, these 40-day aged USDA prime steaks. We went with the strips that night and they never disappointed. Right now, Margo's throwing together a little stir fry for us for dinner when the podcast is over. Stopped and picked up seafood and the ingredients for a stir fry. No matter what you're making, you can count on Kowalski's. And in fact, the Kowalski's in my neighborhood here in Shoreview now just recently added a protein smoothie shake bar, wow. which is outstanding. I tried one the other day, and they're terrific. So if you're entertaining, trust Kowalski's. The best ingredients create the best meals, and you can count on those guys. Speaking of Gianni and Zach, um, I hear that they had a little hiccup on their drive to, um, to New did. York. Who knew that when your tire is flat on your U-Haul that you should probably stop and not drive another hour and a half? Well, that is why they put tandem wheels on each side of the trailer is so that if one tire blows, you stay on the road. And they were rookie trailer drivers, so they had the tandem wheels on both sides, one blue on one side, made the end of the drive with three wheels. I have pulled a lot of trailers in my life. When I used to help my dad with the chain of Hallmark stores, we rented trucks and trailers all the time. You can notice when a tire blows, it feels different. It doesn't surprise me that those guys driving <laughs> with a trailer for the first time in life didn't realize or feel the tugging every time you move or switch lanes, go around a corner. You'll feel it. But they did get it repaired, and they if they hadn't stopped, who knows how long they would have driven. They were stopping in the middle to spend the night halfway out there, and they're young, they're rookies. It's a good story for the rest of life. The time they were pulling everything they owned in a rental trailer behind their truck and blew a tire on the way and not even realizing it. They did make it. It's like the story that I remind AJ every time I see him when he just decided to leave his laptop in a, in a park one day and then was shocked when he came back an hour later and it was missing. Well, that's a maybe a different kind of negligence, but yeah, <laughs> I, I had a good rental truck story that re reminds me. I just saw my college roommates these last weeks. I saw them once at a St. John's game, saw one at a twins game. And one night we were driving a rental rider truck or U-Haul truck, big, huge box truck. And we were hauling a bunch of fixtures across Southern Minnesota from town to town and dumping them. And we decided to stop in Owatonna to visit his parents and have dinner before we were driving back to Collegeville. We were in school at the time. We're driving down the road in this big box truck, and we come up to this bridge that goes across the street at like a 45-degree angle. And I'm driving, and I come to a stop before it, and I, his, Velks was his name, and I said, hey, Velks, are we going to make it under that bridge? He opens his door, leans out the door, out the, looks at it. Yep, we're good. Closes the door. We hit the bridge <laughs> with the right on the corner of the truck because it was the bridge was at like a forty-five degree angle, so it just folds up the top of the truck, both sides, the front, and now we back up and you know you're just hearing the back end of the truck falling apart as we drive. We stop at his folks, have dinner, we get home and. It's like, who's going to go in and tell my dad? You want to go tell my dad? You go tell my dad that we hit the bridge. You're the one who told me we were going to make it, but I don't know how many thousands of dollars we cost the company. We Everything we saved by hauling these fixtures across southern Minnesota, we gave back by destroying the rental truck. Yeah. You know who's, who's somebody that you know that has never rented a truck to go haul anything? I have a feeling it's one of the two people on this podcast. Yes, exactly. Uh, Max Tedford. You didn't uh, change a light bulb once, though. No, you didn't. You had to call no, your super to do that. No, yeah. Even the other day, I had a like uh, Xfinity sent me this uh, like I don't know upgraded adapter for my alarm system, and I'm, I couldn't get the freaking screw off. So I I go to Amazon and I buy new like screwdrivers, like the little like tiny ones for the, for that size. Couldn't still couldn't do it. So then I of course stripped the top of the screw. We had we had talked when you moved into your house. Hey, we should get Russo a housewarming gift, and Chad Graff was getting a house about the same time, and. I was getting him a set of tools yeah. for his house. And Marco said, well, why don't you get the same for Russo? Are you kidding? Yeah. This would be the biggest waste of money ever. Yeah. 
Do you remember what you did get me? Because it was hilarious. Didn't we? Get, I thought we got you a wine rack. You, I don't think so. You guys, didn't you get me a uh, first aid kit? No, for Christmas. Oh, that was for Christmas. Yeah, I thought we bought you a okay, wine so rack. Okay, so maybe it was a wine rack. Gift. Yeah, um, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't remember. Maybe we forgot to get you a housewarming yeah, gift. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a feeling that you didn't get me a housewarming <laughs> present. I'm, I'm pretty positive that you didn't. Well, we were thinking got, about a wine uh, I will rack. say this. I've gotten so few gifts in my life that I remember the people that get me gifts. Um, yeah. Um, I'm friends with this family. If we and, had gotten you a toolkit, uh, it would have been yeah. Fisher Price. I'm friends with this family, and I'm not kidding you. I get a text from them like every other day. Just got you a gift. Got you a gift. Got you. I'm like showered with gifts from this family. So I really appreciate the uh, Bajellos uh, family. Um, P- Max Tedford asks, uh, do you think this preseason has started to clarify what has up to this point been a muddled hierarchy amongst the wild defensive prospects? Any idea which the team might consider trading for forward depth over the next couple seasons? It's a really good question because, you know, that is one of the things the wild have to figure. They have like seven really good defense prospects and they've got two guys that are signed forever in Spurgeon and Brodeen. So these guys can't all play here. Um, and so, yeah, they've got to figure that out. And, and the one thing I will say, like they love Brock Faber. Obviously he's got a long history here. It looks like Kalen Addison suddenly does. Um, and but then you look at these three guys that they have two that turn pro and Damon Hunt and Ryan O'Rourke both had great camps. Simon Johansson had a good camp. Carson Lambos had a good camp. He goes back. We haven't even mentioned Jack Parrott. Um, they just drafted David Spachik and, and Kyle Masters. I mean, they've got a lot of blue liners. They can't all play here. They're going to be assets in the next two, three, four, whatever years. And uh, some of these guys are going to be dealt for help eventually. Without a doubt, teams always need six, seven, eight defensemen minimum. That's just a matter of fact. And the guys that will be expendable will become the fringe veteran guys. They already got rid of one in Kulikov. The guys like John Merrill, as good as he's been, he, he knows his days are numbered because prospects are coming. Same mm-hmm. with Alex Goligoski. It's the, Same with Matt Dumba. Well, that's true, but <laughs> I, I was, I was going to get to him yeah. because he's in a different spot. These other guys, the league's getting younger. It's getting faster. And you're seeing it both with forwards and defensemen. Their years are numbered because franchises are starting. They have to have guys that are on entry-level deals to save money against the cap. And they just need speed. I think defense might go a little slower than forwards just because of the fact that they know those guys have to – there's more knowledge in the game. There's a little bit more of a salty veteran feel to it on the back end. But it's kind of like pitching where people say, when you think you have enough, go get more. Yeah. There's always something that's going to happen yeah. where somebody's going to get banged up, somebody doesn't develop quite the right way. Maybe you do package one or two of those guys in a deal, but you're always trying to stagger guys' arrivals so that exactly. you don't end up with five guys mm-hmm. that – are coming of age at the exact same time. To answer the question, though, I, I do think that that is something that the front office is trying to ascertain. I think they love Lambos. Um, I really do. Um, um, I will say, like, I, I thought the world of guys like O'Rourke and Hunt watching them. I thought Hunt was great in Milwaukee. I think O'Rourke's had a really good camp as well. He was obviously both both of them are going to be in Iowa this year. Um you know, they bring I, I noticed different Hunt elements. and Lambos a lot more than O'Rourke. Yeah, in, but that's O'Rourke's game. O'Rourke reminds me of a more physical Nick Schultz. Like, Nick Schultz was one of those guys where he was a great defenseman when you didn't notice him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's still one of the steadiest defensemen I've ever, I've ever covered in my life. And I think O'Rourke's the same type of guy. Um, Damon Hunt's an interesting character, too. He shops at, like, vintage stores. He's a must-follow on Instagram. I know you follow him, Anthony. Um, I don't know if I follow anybody yeah, on Instagram. <laughs> I don't think you do. My mom today is like, how come Anthony never writes me back in the comments? I'm like, Anthony doesn't even know there are comments. <laughs> like, trust me, this is not a shot at you. Um, yesterday, I knew so much that you don't know that there are comments that I actually screen captured some funny ones and sent them to you because I know that you don't notice. Them. I did see a, I had actually just seen a notification right when you texted me that picture. Yeah. I had just, for whatever reason, gotten a notification that one of my daughters had commented on my on a post. Uh So I had looked at it because I thought it was kind of funny when she posted that. What about calling me? So I, that's, I I don't ever look at, I shouldn't say never. I very rarely look at the comments. I should look at them more often. 
Um, uh, I remiss but to say, I don't say, think I follow anybody on Instagram. Yeah, I don't think you do either. Um, so uh, I remiss to say, um, so Pavel Novak, I mentioned two or three weeks ago on this podcast that I'd been talking to him on Instagram um, a lot lately, and they had a huge scan coming up, and he announced today that he is cancer free and has beaten cancer. Um, I'm going to be talking to him next week for a big story. Um, uh, he told me today that he his you know that right now because of what he's gone through with treatment, chemo, things like that, that he's got a lot of work to do to sort of make his body whole again. And so his goal right now is to slowly but surely start working out back home overseas. And his goal is to play next season, that he's not going to try to make a comeback and go back to juniors in the Western League this year, that uh, this is all now about getting healthy. So, man, uh, really good news. And hopefully it continues to go that way for a kid that is a really, uh, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed, you know, sort of behind the scenes getting to know him during this, during this, um, you know, ordeal that he's had to deal with and his family has had to deal with. And I'm looking forward to uh, interviewing him next week for this story. Gio Rule asks, um, this is a good one. Is there any chance the Wild could swing a Patrick Kane deal? I would say financially, uh, no. Um, but maybe, hey, uh, right? Um, you know, it would be a dream for me to cover that guy. I love... I, I would, can't imagine yeah. a scenario yeah. where it happens. But what's happening in Chicago right now is bizarre. Yeah. And this goes high up in the front office where the turnover and the change yeah. is remarkable. Who knows what they might do in order to make the in order to make a move with either Kane or Taves, it wouldn't shock me if they wound up in a spot where they were retaining a ton of salary for this year in order to get the right return for one of those guys. We'll see. It it nothing what do you would think surprise of Kane me. the other night. Well, he looked disinterested, which exactly. is hard to it's hard, yeah, it's to, hard know to know because it's preseason. Exhibition game, or he just is miserable. Could be both. Could be both. Yeah. Probably is both. I had watched him the night before when they played Detroit. Kane didn't play, but Taves did, and his it was a little different to watch him. He's going to be a more difficult guy to move for them because of the fact yeah. that for him to be a valuable part, you have to be able to trust that he could be the guy playing against the other team's best. That's when he's at his best. That's going to be hard to evaluate when you're watching who he's playing with, what's on the line on a nightly basis. Where and the health issues that he's had the last couple of years. That's I mean. true. I think teams have a decent idea what you get with yeah. Patrick Kane. Still, if, a, still an electric yeah. scorer. He always has been, no matter who he's playing with, no matter how lousy the team has been. And I think people will be able to watch him and gauge, does he still have that? Does he still have the jump when the puck's going his way? And if he does, somebody will take a shot at him if he wants to move. And I think that'll be a really interesting thing to watch as this season progresses. That team's a mess. And that preseason game that we saw with the Wild against the Hawks, it was the lion's share of the Hawks lineup really only one defenseman with significant NHL time didn't play in that game. They had two of their top three forward lines in that game, and it felt like they could have played yeah. for 12 periods and not had a scoring yeah. chance. It was weird just watching Kane because there was that one play with like five minutes left. They were in the power play. He got the puck in the right point, and he looked like a point guard posting up at the like with 10 seconds left with the shot clock. He just didn't move with the puck. Like Even the, the wild four checkers on the penalty kill were like, you know, just stood still, like almost like what he. It was weird. And I read yeah. a quote from somebody, I don't remember who it was from, that said, well, we wanted to surround him with some good players, so we went out and got Max Domi and Andreas Athanasiu. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure Patrick Kane would agree with your assessment. Yeah, of I think Patrick players. Kane would rather play with Alex DeBrinkett, who was the good player no question. last year. Um, yeah, strange. Uh, Tony Abbott. Um, uh, between going this one, I just I just don't agree with you, Tony. Um, between getting Jordy Ben to block Kalen Addison's path, claiming Rem Pitlick to block Adam Beckman, and now Sam Steele to keep Marco Rossi on the fourth line, isn't there a risk going forward of prospects thinking they can't quote earn a big role even with spectacular camps? First of all, my my reaction to the last clause is who gives a f. f? what a prospect comes in and thinks these guys are not entitled like uh, like uh, like tony man dude like 
Jordy Ben blocking Keelan Addison. He was a 21 year old, not ready for the NHL. Rem Pitlick, they were not, they did not feel like Adam Beckman, and Adam Beckman went to the went to the minors and didn't have a good year. The this management team watches them on an every single day basis. They watch every single practice. They watch every single game. They know if these guys are ready. And um, and then the, again, the Sam Steele blocking Marco Rossi on the fourth line because he's been in the, on the fourth line for a minute is just a ridiculous. You know, like like I like Tony. I don't want to rip on you, but I'm you're you know but the you're hot rip on. The, the hot takes are just insane. Well, like we should go back and get your Marco, Brennan. They they ruined Brennan Manel and if, Ryan Donato. Right. I mean, if this Marco is just, Rossi yeah. is who we think Marco Rossi is going to be. He will be playing higher up in the lineup yeah. than Sam Steele very soon. If Sam Steele provides what they wanted him to, I, I like Steele. I've always thought he was a guy that, with opportunity, would score more than mm-hmm. he scored in the NHL. Kind of the same way I felt about Tyson Jost. And we'll see. Both of those guys, if they score, they will stay yeah. where they are in the lineup. And if they don't, they won't. There is no blocking here. As soon as the next guy, as soon as Rossi's better, yeah. he'll be playing with Matt Boldy. Uh, like I, I just, I think he, at some point you got to understand that the coaches and the GMs are not trying to sabotage anything. They watch these guys on an everyday basis. Do you think that they didn't dissect Adam Beckman's game last year and realize that he? I don't care that he scored four goals and in the preseason. That there's he just a lot wasn't more ready. to the game than just how many right. points did a guy score. And, and so like, again, if, well, I think the big question with yeah. Marco Rossi is, and it's not really a question, but he has to prove it. Can he defend down yeah. low in his own zone as a centerman? That's a huge part of being a center in the NHL. Yes, he can distribute, he can skate, he can handle the puck, he can move the puck, but can he defend down low in his own zone? That has yet to be proven in an NHL game at full speed against the other team's best. That's what he has to show. I think he's shown a willingness to go to the net offensively, stick his nose in. That still has to be proven against the NHL. These last couple of exhibition games, it's been mm-hmm. closer to NHL lineups, but it's still not what you're going to see yeah. come next Thursday night. Yeah. The, the problem with a lot of, like, again, because I really respect Tony, but, you know, the, the, you have a lot of these bloggers that they're just, they write hot takes, and they feel like they have to have this just aggressive opinion on everything. And my favorite ones are the Brennan Minnell articles that they've all written. You know, like, like, like. They just because his analytics were good in the minors. Like, trust me, if the, if the Wild who watch him every single day in Des Moines didn't think that he was worth giving seven hundred thousand on a two way contract, then it probably isn't worth it. And that's why he's back in the KHL right now. And it's the same thing with like you know they, they act like they, that it's the Wild that ruined these kids. But the reason Ryan Donato has been bouncing around is because he's not the player right. that Wild fans thought he was. Pick a guy that Wild fans bad mouthed or questioned the move to get rid of him that has gone somewhere else and been more than what he was here. Yeah. There are just aren't very many of them. Yeah. And those are the type of guys, Kapo Kakinen. There were fans here saying, oh, he's better than Talbot, better yeah. than Talbot. Well, he's a backup And they goal. do this all the time. Philip Lindbergh. Remember right. Philip Lindbergh? I mean, there's been so many of these exactly. type of things. Like, just and let's trust the management and the staff. They, they pay a lot of people to watch these guys on an everyday basis. Well, not and only that. And there's more than just games, too. These right. guys watch them every day and in practice. And there's personalities. Right. There's what, they're, what they do for a team behind the scenes, how they interact with others, how they support teammates. All of that is a factor. And... Let's just remember that all the people that this is, it's talk radio. It's what talk radio and social media has become where in order to drive listeners or followers or retweets, whatever it might be, you can't say, ah, let's just wait and see. I trust Billy Garrett. That doesn't gain any traction. I mean, the funny, the the funniest thing that Tony said to a reader on, on Twitter regarding this question today is like, I wrote it at the time about Beckman and nobody could have known that he was going to have a bad year and I, or whatever he said. And I'm just like, uh, actually somebody did know. And it's the people that sent him down because they knew he wasn't ready. You know, like it's just, and they didn't, they were hoping he'd go down there and have a good year. Absolutely. They wanted to do the whole same thing that Matt Boldy did was bring him up when he was quote, ready. Exactly. And what, Sometimes those people lose sight of is that when they throw out an opinion like that, it's with zero consequence. Even if somebody throws it back to them later and says, hey, you said this and you were wrong, there's no consequence. If Bill Guerin makes a mistake, he lives with it for the rest of that player's career. 
and has to answer to it. And I'm, I say Bill Guerin, what it really means is Bill Guerin and all, everybody on his staff, but the buck stops, stops with him. People that write these hot takes, so to speak, they should trade this guy. They should move this guy. Well, number one, you don't know what you could get for this guy. And number two, if you're wrong, you're just wrong. Yeah. And that's it. Then you make your next ridiculous statement about the next guy that comes yeah. in. It's like all the fans that just still don't understand why Fiala wasn't re-signed. They don't understand what Keith Landgrieve asked at the beginning, that there's three other contracts that are coming up, that they got to re-sign Boldy, that you still have to pay players. Whether you agree with the Goligoski, Merrill, Greenway, Joe's thing, you still have to play players and pay players in those slots. This is all about projections. And, um, you know, I don't know. I, and I don't mean to rip on Tony, but he's just the one that asked the question here. Um, I read something interesting the other day, Anthony. According to an article in CNBC, 40% of home sellers surveyed at one point said the experience was so stressful it brought them to tears. I've been through that. Um, selling and buying a home even outranked the stress of getting fired from work, planning a wedding, lots and lots of stuff. But if you were thinking about buying or selling a home soon, I've got a, another great share for you. There's now a free real estate hotline. Grab a pen. It's 612-888-8977. That's 612-888-8977. I know lots of folks are wondering about a real estate crash right now. Whatever questions you might have, the number one real estate team in Minnesota, the Chris Sundahl Real Estate Team, set this up to get your questions answered. Chris mentioned it's a part of the team's ongoing efforts to give back their time to the community. So should you bother buying right now? If you got a home, how do you keep your equity versus falling prices and inflation? Will the market crash? These are the biggest questions that you want answered for your family. The folks at KLRE made this free resource to make sure you have answers. The number again for this real estate hotline for Chris Lindahl is 612-888-8977. Call them for free. Again, 612-888-8977. And here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. New great spot to watch games in the northern suburbs is Moe's at the Ice House. It's at Fogarty Arena and it's connected. It overlooks the curling rink inside, but they've got great TV setups for you to watch a game, whether you're up there for a youth tournament, you've got a high school game going on. It's a great place to duck inside. They've got a live stream video from the main arena at Fogarty. So if you're there watching a high school game, intermission, you can sneak over, grab something quick to eat, have a cocktail, go back, watch the rest of the game. It's also a spot where we're going to have the upcoming Donkey Hockey League fantasy draft. Yeah, They've really got great banquet that. rooms and the menu's solid. After this week's draft, we'll give a review on the menu next week. But check it out if you're up in the northern suburbs. It's a great place to hang out and watch a game. They'll have wild specials during wild games on TV in there. Great place. And, and if you are so inclined, you can jump back on the curling rink and give that a shot. Yeah, not happening. Um, so anyway, uh, somebody did ask how our fantasy league uh, went. It has not happened. That's coming October 9th. October 2nd, we had to put in our rosters. Let's put it this way. I'm going to have the most boring draft ever because I'm basically at the cap with like five, five, uh, five, six players. There's a couple players. of teams yeah. that are in that, yeah. in that spot. I was but, just hey, looking I at I finished it. second in the league last year, so yeah. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to retain most of my great players. That's right. Somebody finished first in the league. I know. Everybody else in this league are money. It's like in the red, and Anthony is like, oh, I shouldn't say this in front of Margo. Anthony's made a lot of money in this league, Margo. Really? Yeah, well, yeah, really. Don't you need a gift? Your birthday's coming up November 20th. I've purchased some gifts with that. Yeah. We bought, we bought a quarter of a cow. I got a set of golf clubs. Remember when your bathroom it's, broke like 10 years ago when I first met you? Yeah. Well, it didn't actually break the bathroom still works the shower got torn apart 
Anyway, uh, OC, Wild Boy is 59. He always asks great questions. Both your thoughts on Nick Patan. I've liked Nick Patan. I didn't watch the game yesterday. I understand he might have looked a little tired in that game in St. Louis. Um, but but I think he's going to make the team. But Mason Shaw is putting some pressure on him. Mason Shaw also needs waivers to, to get to Iowa. And, um, man, Mason Shaw uh, is somebody that I know this, this organization likes. Also, Stephen Fogarty, one of us from Edina. Um, he's also having a great camp, and he's also going to get another look probably tomorrow, uh, probably tonight against uh, Chicago. Yeah, to me, the, the Patan or Shaw, it's a one or the other. Mm-hmm. They obviously both can't make it. I think Patan brings a little bit in that, he could be a guy that you could use in a defensive role. But right now, the way that the other guys, we were talking about it earlier, Joe Steele, Rossi, have all played so well. They've, in my opinion, secured spots in the lineup. And this is all with Jordan Greenway still on the outside looking in. So if you're going to only keep one extra forward on your active roster long term, it's one of those three guys. It's not going to be Patan or Shaw. Maybe you keep two early mm-hmm. with because you only have one extra defenseman with John Merrill not yet on your roster. But at some point, you can only have – if you have two extra defensemen, you can only have one extra forward. Yeah. And, and I don't uh, know when you open the season with four games in a row at home. I don't know the purpose of having three extra guys here. All you're doing is wasting cap space. That, you know the the benefit right now is the Wild for a team that has 12.7 million dollars worth of dead money. They are actually in great shape cap wise, and they're going to continue to accrue as as long as they don't waste their cap space. So it makes no sense to just keep a bunch of extra guys. No, for but I think they'll keep three extra early just because of, for that reason you've mm-hmm. got guys that need waivers so you might as well hang on to them and you never know if somebody else gets banged mm-hmm. up or nicked up then you've got an extra yeah. guy and this all is going off the assumption that Jordan Greenway is not going to be ready for opening night he's been a nearly full participant in practices here lately and looks like he's getting closer and closer i'm not saying i think he's going to be ready opening night but it isn't it, it doesn't look like it's going to be very yeah. long and that means somebody's got to go when Greenway is yeah. ready to be activated. And to your point, so or to that point, average Minnesota Wild fan says, with what with the player, so many teams over the cap, um, who will the Wild try to snag? Because all camp long, I've been pointing out that the Wild might try to go that route. I will say this: because Steele, because Rossi. Because um, Patan and Shaw have played so well, I don't see Billy Guerin now doing this and helping out another team unless it's a no-brainer. I know he's been offered players. I've been uh, talking to a lot of sources around the league, GMs, uh, assistant GMs, people like that, saying that 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 Billy has been offered some players. I don't know who those players are. But I do think that unless it's a no-brainer better than that guy type thing, um, uh, I don't see it happening. And let's be honest, if the Wild go out and add a player, the guy that's probably going to leave right away is Marco Rossi. Then then uh, Tony Abbott will have somebody. Well, right, and that's what about. I was just going to say is we just had this discussion yeah. about where these guys fit. And if you start to look at a lineup, let's say your top line set, the grief line is set, your fourth line is Rossi, Dewar, Duhame, you know Boldy's in your lineup, you know Goudreau's in your lineup. So that leaves one forward spot. Well, imagine what you'd have to get to bump any one of those 11 guys that I just mentioned. And Brandon Duhame and Connor Dewar, I'm not talking about NHL all-stars, but they've been really good and they've been productive and they're playing on a fourth-line role where you'll see them on the penalty kill. You'd have to get a pretty good player to bump one of those 11 guys out of your lineup. And really, you'd probably have to move one of those guys to make room for them because that 11 doesn't include Jost, Steele, Patan. Right. And one of those guys is going to be in your lineup. Yeah. Elon actually asked about Tyson Jost. Will he be given a shot with Goudreau and Boldy over Steele on that line? He's had a fantastic uh, preseason. Um, look, I mean, I think that things are going to be fluid. If, if, I mean, that's the good thing about Jost is that he could play center. So if Steele and Rossi's not going in that position, you could throw Jost there. Well, I think the way they've started is with Jost playing with Felino and right. Eck. But let's say Greenway's healthy. Yep. Now that's only one spot. Right. It's Jost or Steele in your lineup, mm-hmm. and that's it, playing with Boldy and Gaudreau. And I think right now Jost is that guy. I Steele will open the season with those guys because Jost is on another line. But once Greenway's back, I think right now Tyson Jost gets the first shot. If every, if nothing else changes, I think Jost gets the first shot with Boldy and Gaudreau. Yeah. Adam Donarski uh, asks, uh, living in D.C. currently, do you think Kemper coming here puts – 
Washington back in contender status? No. <laughs> um, here's a guy. Isn't this guy on your fantasy team, uh, Nicholas Backstrom? Yes. Uh, he asks, uh, any update on him? Have you been paying attention to Backstrom? Well, yeah, he's not going to be ready. Bless you. Thanks. He's not going to be ready at the start of the season, and he's been banged up for five years playing through injuries in Washington. I think supposedly now what I've heard is that when he comes back that he'll be better than he's been in five years because he's had some chan- a chance now to get healthy. You have a lot of guaranteed contracts, injured guys on your team, Anthony. He's Patch, not Patch one of them. Ready. Oh, I thought you have, doing a patch ready, but I, you do have somebody else too. I have Cam Talbot. Yeah, that's it. Cam Talbot's out for, what is it, five to seven weeks. Yeah. Uh, Patch Reddy's out for half a season, but that's all right. Last year I had Jonathan Taves on a guaranteed contract and basically sat on a guy who wasn't playing for half a year. We have oh, depth in our man. organization. This question, Hideki, I don't want to make fun of you, but what about potentially dodging a bullet in the Cam Talbot injury? Would have been a disaster if he was still with the Wild. I mean, Hideki, you understand that things don't happen like he broke a ri- in a bubble. <laughs> he broke a rib getting a puck in a game in in Ottawa, and it was bruised. He played with it for a couple of days, and then they realized he's out five to seven weeks. If he's in Minnesota, that likely doesn't happen. Like just because he got hurt there doesn't mean it would. Right. It would not. It have would be ha- different if it would have been an injury that had happened in June. Yeah. and yeah. just diagnosed yeah. now. Sorry to make fun of you, Hideki, but come on. Uh, Minnesota hockey fan three three six. Will the lizard have at least seventy points this year? Got it right. Can't imagine how he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, if, as long as he's healthy. Um, Luke asks, after watching the preseason, how big of a liability is the goaltending situation, especially the backup? I mean, again, I don't, I didn't see yesterday's game, but before that, uh, Gustafson's looked great in practice. He was great in Colorado. Um, so I don't understand that just because we're seeing goals against that we're just saying he's had a bad camp. Uh, although I was talking to somebody here, and apparently I got to ask him if this is true. Um, so apparently his, when he's nervous, his hand goes numb. That's what uh, somebody that knows him well, well told me. That would me. seem to be a detriment for a <laughs> goaltender. It reminded me of last year when Tyson Stick Jost, we were, we were talking with Tyson Jost and, and he's like, yeah, I'm colorblind. I'm like, well, that seems problematic. Um, well, you, know. you can tell the jerseys apart if one's white. Yeah. Would, even if you're think, colorblind. Yeah, you would think so. But you think uh, about watching a yeah. black and white TV. But a goalie TV, hand goes which numb when he's nervous. White. That seems, goalies, yeah, that seems a little concerning. Um, let's see, uh, which forward, Andrew, uh, uh, we got about five more sh- minutes left in the show. Which forward and defenseman do you think will have the biggest jump this year? Uh, Andrew currently thinks Justin Addison, um, makes sense. Who do you think? I still think it'll be Jordan Greenway if he plays a full season. Mm-hmm. If we're just talking about jump numbers last year to this Greenway, remember, didn't score for half a year last year, basically. Greenway or Jost would be the two guys that would be at or near the top of that list. And part of that is because so many guys last year had career years, it's hard to say they're going to take another step this year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cole asks, does the defensive reshuffle bear any resemblance to let's try Eriksenek and Kaprizov and Zuccarello experiment? I mean, that's an interesting thing because, you know, obviously no, Middleton. Totally different. Yeah, but Middleton and Spurgeon, you know, it, it, it like it is totally different because, you know, you just always knew that they were they had that grief line in their back pocket and could potentially go back to them. This one, you know, Brodine and Spurgeon seems to make a lot of sense with well, it, Middleton and Dumba, same thing. It does, except it isn't going to work when you're on the road. Spurgeon and Brodeen have to be on separate pairs when you're on the road, when you can't get your matchups. If those two guys are playing together, Nathan McKinnon wouldn't see them all night. Connor McDavid wouldn't see them all night if you're on the road. Good point. So I think it works at home where now you know that every single time McKinnon jumps over the boards, these two guys are on the ice against him. So we may see some of it depending on home or road, but I don't think you can on the road play Matt Dumba with Jacob Middleton. I, it just isn't going to work. Uh, Brian asks, uh, do you think Everson has a blind spot, blind spot with Goudreau by being unwilling to play him on the fourth line? Him and Dewey's would be a very tough fourth line to play against. I mean, I definitely think he has a blind spot for Goudreau, but I also think that he this is a he's proven to be a really good, really effective good player. player. And it isn't just Dean. Yeah. You talk to any one of the coaches, they rave about the little things he does. And we saw last year that not only doing the little things, but as the year progressed, 
And when he started playing on a line with a couple guys who could put the puck in the net, he's got a little playmaker to him. He has more skill than he's ever shown, than he's ever scored before. He's a better hockey player than most people realize, and it isn't just a blind spot from the coaching staff. Uh, John, we could go quick hitter just right now. John asks, what do you think of the long-term implications of the Milwaukee game uh, for the NHL? I mean, probably not. Uh, I mean, they're not moving an expansion or relocation team there. There, so no, I mean, and I think they'd be under the umbrella of Chicago's yeah, regional exactly. rights, probably, yeah. wouldn't they? Yep. Um, Mike Showalter asks, uh, "Do you agree with the uh, the Athletic NHL ranking of the Wild as fifth in the league? Fifth in the league for overall organization, uh, or for I, this year I, yeah. for points? I think fifth might be a little high, but uh, yeah, I think fifth's probably a little high." Pete Carlson says thoughts on the ESPN article written by Emily Kaplan, who I was actually texting with today about it, um, regarding the hockey operations, money, and resources, and where do the Wild fit since they were not mentioned. Uh, the one thing I will say is the Wild, uh, there, there's uh, Alex Mandricki, the assistant GM with the Seattle Kraken, is quoting there saying, uh, when you ha- you know, years ago, people like rolled their eyes when you had one person doing analytics in your front office. Now, if you only have one, you're behind. The only team in the league with one is the Minnesota Wild. So it's They have very, one, yeah. but... He's, He's good. a good one, and what he brings, what I really like, and I've had Matt a chance Sells to chat with him quite often. Who might be the nicest human ever. Nice human, but he has some hockey knowledge to him. Oh, yeah. He isn't just a numbers guy, and I'm not saying that all of the analytics people are just numbers guys, but he's got a little bit better feel for not just here are, here are the numbers you requested, here are some things I've seen that I think should catch your attention. So there's a good combination with that. I don't think it'll be long before the analytics department is more than one guy, but I think the wild have a good balance of analytics are a part of it, but there's also an eye test. There's also some hockey savvy that has to go into this or else it doesn't do us any good. By the way, I did a podcast for the athletic the other day with Ray Shiro, a senior advisor to Bill Guerin. And I highly recommend people listening to that. Um, off season is a bummer. Can we, you're not going to get this one, but can we start a petition going to get carp, um, allowed back on Twitter? Ain't going to work. Uh, carp, um, as we joked at the last podcast, any but anything can be said, the most vile stuff on Twitter, and yet somehow this guy Carp somehow got kicked off Twitter, and everybody's trying to get him back. Um, Daniel wants to know, um, of the players being sent down, who do you think will be earned first call-up? I think you always look at who's latest in camp, and we're seeing Fogarty here, seeing Shaw here, we're seeing Chafee, uh, you know, Dakota Mermis, uh, players like that I think would be first call-up options. Yeah, and I think it going back to what we were talking about before with Greenway, it depends mm-hmm. on if Greenway is ready to start camp or not yep if if he is that changes yeah. who the first guy coming yeah. back might be a couple more fun ones uh heatley the goat wants to know favorite store in mall of america you have the tradition with your sons uh what day before christmas, christmas or day eve. Of? christmas yeah. eve we go what's down your favorite the store morning. well was it macy's where i was going down the escalator and i looked in your son's ear and it was like bleeding it was like just just i think dry. it was probably nordstrom nordstrom yeah. is tough to top i I'm, I'm a, like, AJ, what happened? Why is there blood coming out your ear? He's like, I don't know. Actually, didn't that happen in the car? Well, no, I noticed it on the escalator. Oh, okay. Yeah, it happened apparently It happened here, here the night before, but yeah. I thought you noticed it in the car when we no, were on our way def- to the mall. I am, it was definitely in the escalator. I was like, what the... Is like you have like a literally a stream of dried blood coming out of the inside of your ear, AJ, and he did, had no idea how it right. happened. And and said exactly that, too. I was wondering why I couldn't hear so well out of that ear. I Nordstrom's a, a go-to for me, and I'm also a Johnson and Murphy shoe guy. Yeah, me so too. Johnson and Murphy's yeah. a place I yeah. visit every time I go I down there. I felt so bad for uh, for uh, Bill Guerin the other day in his press conference. I looked at him afterwards. I'm like, "Hey, really nice shoes." And he looked, and we were wearing the same exact shoes that we both bought at the Johnson and Murphy at the uh, MSP Mall. And uh, and I think he's never worn those shoes again. I've bought. I have. We've made three trips to Europe. On two of those trips, I've bought a pair of shoes at Johnson Murphy at the airport on the way yeah. to our Europe. I love like their casual, like looking like sneaker shoes type thing. Uh, Sunny Day uh, asks, "Where is a place in the entire world you would like to see a hockey game? Can either be a landmark or a stadium." Sicily. Yeah, that'd be nice. I'd love to see like in Sicily, and I'd like to see like on Lake Banff or something like like the you know where they filmed. Uh, I know it's in Alaska, but they filmed Mystery Alaska in Banff, I think. Um, 
Lake Louise, maybe. And uh, I'd love to see like something on that. Antarctica would be fun. They would just have to build an indoor press box. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if we're talking about a thing that's outside, yep. then my I, my idea doesn't work. But if, I would, I'd love to go to Sicily. So why not watch a hockey game? While Jordan I'm Anderson, we we know that you want to write a cookbook. He's asking if I'll ever think of releasing a book at the end of my career, detailing my time in the business. I'd love to, but the second I retire, I'm done writing. I can promise you that. Um, MJ asks, when does Joe Smith join the Minnesota Wild Beat? He arrives in town actually on the 11th. And uh, actually, he's going to be staying with me for a week, I think I mentioned. Uh, Max, thoughts on the Barzell extension? Huge, huge, huge number at 9.15. Huge projection number, but he's only 24, but never scored 20 goals. I'm actually surprised at the length of some of the contracts right now that have been given around the league for these extensions. I would have guessed teams were a little gun-shy with those at this point, but they apparently are not. And I know there were some rumors about the cap and what it's going to, mm-hmm. how it's likely going to increase over the next couple of years. Maybe teams are counting on that. Yeah, no doubt. Hopefully there's no more pandemics that will uh, come unforeseen. George, uh, uh, General Soreness wants to know, seven preseason games seems like a lot. Any talk of reducing them? Uh, Dean said the other day that he does expect them to be less next year, probably six, I would think. Um do you, uh, for the love of the game, do you think the NHL will ever force teams to be more specific on their injury statements to the media? Um, I've asked Bill Daly that on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he said nobody's asking for it. Uh, Tina asked, any comments from Craig Leopold going into the season? I'll be watching, actually, uh, tomorrow's exhibition game in Craig's uh, suite, so that'll be fun. And I got, I got to see him a little bit in Milwaukee the other day. Um, Let's see. There was one final question that I did want to ask you because I thought it was funny. Brian Good asked, do you choose the multimedia that is embedded in your articles in The Athletic? I choose it a lot. A lot of times at least embed the tweets or the GIFs. Um, And here is the final question of the podcast. Uh, Garrett wants to know, in a game of rock, paper, scissors, will um, Anthony buy me a New Jersey from the Hockey Lodge if I beat him? Buy him a new, well, what will he buy me if I beat him? I don't know, but according to uh, um, the Donkey Hockey League um, um, money tab, you've made a lot of money in this league. It seems well, like you have um, expendable income here that you could buy some random fan if he beats you in rock, paper, scissors in New Jersey. Well, it would depend on what I would win if I win, so we can negotiate that. It, I'd have to have something worth my while. And yes, my team has won some money over the years, but it's been spent. It's not just sitting in the. It, I just have never zeroed it out when it carries over from one year to the next on the finance. Uh, one thing staff. we've learned in this podcast, it's certainly not sitting in Margot's bank account. That's <laughs> for sure. So uh, again, thanks for everybody for tuning into uh, War Seats in the House this evening, or actually this morning when this podcast comes out. Um, next live show again, October 12th at Split Rocks. Joe Smith, uh, my new colleague at The Athletic, will be joining us as well. Uh, Anthony will be there. October 12th at Split Rocks in Wyoming. I'm telling you, it's a great, great location. I know people look at Wyoming as like it's in freaking the Iron Range. It's not. It's a fun, fun place. Great food, great drinks. It's the day before the season starts. Please come on out to October 12th at Split Rocks to meet Joe Smith, and Anthony will be there as well. Thanks to our sponsors, as always, Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut Water Treatments, Royal Credit Union, Kowalski's, all the Tuttle's operations, Grain Belt, Chris Lindell Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, and Moe's. Talk to you next week, everybody. So much coming out, there's nothing going Poor Brandon.